Hi, and welcome again to the Community Broadband Bids Podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Midway between Tampa Bay and Orlando lies Lakeland, Florida, and its 100,000 residents. We learned that Lakeland has operated a dark fiber network for years, supplying broadband infrastructure to the Polk County School District, municipal facilities, and local businesses. Today, Chris talks with Lakeland's fiber optic supervisor, Paul Meyer. Paul describes how the community began supplying fiber connections and how it takes advantage of opportunities to continually expand the fiber network. Lakeland is one of the many places that quietly offer dark fiber in the local community to save public dollars, serve education, and encourage economic growth. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Paul Meyer, the fiber optic supervisor for the city of Lakeland in Florida. Welcome to the show. Yes, good afternoon, Chris. Thank you. Uh, we're excited to learn more about uh, what your community's been doing in terms of uh, building a fiber optic network. Uh, but I always like to start by giving listeners a chance to learn a little bit about the community, uh, those who aren't familiar with uh, Lakeland, Florida. Well, Lakeland is in the center of the state. Uh, we're located uh, almost equal distance uh, between Tampa Bay uh, and Orlando. So between Tampa Bay and Orlando, uh, what's Lakeland like? Is it an agricultural community? Is it uh, primarily defined by any particular um, economic activity? Uh, I, I would say we probably got a little bit of everything. Lakeland is fortunate, uh, even uh, even why I decided to uh, take up residence here. It's a small community, uh, but yet it's close to the you know a larger metropolitan area. Uh, we've kind of got the best of both worlds. Uh, that we have the you know smaller city characteristics, uh, but yet we have the amenities of you know living close to that metropolitan area. And you've, you're about 100,000 people, is that right? Yeah, just shy of 100,000 residents. That's a, it's a good size. I went to a, a high school in a town about that size, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar with it. It's just uh, um, big enough to have a lot of interesting things to do and small enough to feel cozy. Yes, that's correct. The city of Lakeland has its own electric utility, as a fair number of, t- of towns and cities in Florida do. Uh, is there any particularly interesting story as to how that came about? Well, uh, Lakeland Electric has been around for a good number of years. Um, I believe it was, I think, around 1905 or somewhere around that time frame. Uh, and I've I've read a couple stories, and it's been it's been a little while ago. But I think it, you know, privately uh, the electric business was started, and for whatever reason, it just wasn't uh, wasn't surviving, and Lakeland decided to give it a try, and now, you know, 100 plus years later, uh, it's uh, running strong. Right. It's it's always interesting to see how these things are described. Uh, a number of municipal utilities describe how they created their utility, but uh, Lakeland notes that it purchased its utility to start. And so it's just a slightly different approach than than uh, we've often seen. Um but I am I'm curious then um for so it operated for about 100 years and then uh started getting involved in uh fiber optics. And so what what was the original motivation for the uh, utility to get it to start building uh these communications links? Yeah, how it started I believe is that you know with uh, municipal owned uh utilities uh other such uh, cities in in Florida that may be a little bit bigger or recognizable uh, the city of Jacksonville, the Jack- Jacksonville Electric Authority, 
they started uh, putting fiber in uh, to their substations for communications um, back in the early 90s. And I think Lakeland kind of modeled that network uh, or looked at that network and modeled it uh, for their own use. Uh, Lakeland started probably about 1995 or so, kind of in the boom, uh, where a lot of a lot of companies got into the game uh, for installing uh, infra- infrastructure and getting into the communication business. And the the first links they were mainly for the utilities' own use, right? Yeah, all the fiber uh, uh, that Lakeland Electric started with uh, was run between their substations. You know, as you know, substations are strategically placed in neighborhoods to distribute the power. Uh, So what they did is they would run fiber from one substation to another uh, all the way uh, throughout their service territory uh, in addition to the power plant. And that would provide their communications for their SCADA and for their relaying. And it means that they have a fairly robust uh, set of paths because, as you said, these substations are are geographically placed specifically to cover a lot of the community and to have a balance. And so, uh, as I understand it, this is a a similar story we've seen elsewhere where uh, someone affiliated with the school district knew that the utility was doing this and said, hey, you know, this may actually help us because at the schools, we need these better connections and the utilities." got these better connections, maybe we can, you know, have a date is what uh, it seems to turn into. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what happened uh, with Lakeland. Um, And that was a little bit before my time. Uh, But somewhere in the area of, I think it was 1997, uh, Lakeland Electric and the Polk County School Board uh, entered into an agreement for Lakeland Electric to provide dark fiber to and in all of the public schools within the service territory of Lakeland Electric. The service territory where the city, their their territory is about 75 square miles. The service territory of Lakeland Electric is about 260 miles. So it's a pretty good size, pretty good size area. And I think there's probably just shy of 50 schools that uh, we ended up installing fiber to. Unlike some of the utilities that have gotten a lot of coverage uh, for uh, doing fiber optic services, you're really sticking to the, the dark fiber, right? And you're not actually doing anything to provide services over those lines to the schools. No, the schools took care of uh, doing their own thing. Uh, they've got some personnel uh, that are, you know, have the experience. And what they use the dark fiber, uh, I found was kind of neat, what they use the dark fiber for uh, was to provide uh, communications from one school to another or to broadcast throughout um, whether you all the schools in the area they'll have they have studios so for example if maybe the third grade wanted to put on some type of play or wanted to show what they've been doing in their school they can broadcast that throughout you know the other schools to the third graders or throughout. There's always an interesting assumption that um, schools need really big, fat pipes, big, um, fast connect, uh, connections to the Internet. And I think what we've found in terms of talking to community after community is that it's 
far more important that these schools have connections to the other schools in the area at very high capacity than that each individual school is connected to the internet at a high capacity. And so having these dark fiber links has been tremendous in many communities because it allows schools basically to ramp up, to have unlimited capacity between each school without having to, you know, raise taxes to to pay for the cost of of doing so. Yeah, correct. That's 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 true. Um, and so now this network then over the years was expanded beyond that to, to all municipal facilities at this point. Yeah, uh, Lakeland uh, starting out with the substations and really uh, with the project with the schools that allowed the city to really grow. Um, they in turn decided that you know that'd be a great cost saving uh, with their with the infrastructure that they have and can you know, expand, uh, they can, you know, they can set aside, you know, not paying the local elect there that they can, you know, again, with the experience that they have in-house, that they can provide the equipment uh, and uh, provide their own uh, their own dial tone, their own Ethernet, you know, their own ISP circuit and what have you. So, yes, we've expanded, um, you know, not just uh, the electric department, but we take care of the water department, the wastewater, the police department, the libraries, the fire stations, um, the traffic department, uh, anything that you can think of within the city, um, we support the communications. Right. And in fact, the uh, the traffic's been kind of a big deal, as I understand it. I, I know that FDOT, uh, Florida Department of Transportation, has played a, a role with other communities in terms of uh, unique partnerships that have allowed it, um, the uh, FDOT's money to go further um, to connect more signals uh, and allowed uh, a local government to expand its fiber. So um, that you were able to take advantage of that as well. Yeah, not too many years ago, uh, you're right, um, the city of Lakeland uh, entered into an agreement with the uh, Florida Department of Transportation uh, to install an ITS network, an intelligent traffic system, uh, throughout our service territory. We made ready uh, parts of our existing network, but we also, to get to these intersections, we installed close to another 50 miles of cable sheath uh, in the area, and I think when we were all said and done, we hit um, about 175 intersections throughout the area. And now we've, uh, I think the count is probably up to about 220 intersections that we that we have connectivity to now. So we're able to use those, uh, you know, in, in storm purposes and, and what have you. Uh, but we're also uh, tied into the local sheriff's department where we in turn forward uh, those links uh, to their uh, control center. So when they have, you know, their emergency operations center, so whenever there's any, you know, hurricane or other type of, you know, activity going on, they have visibility to those intersections as well. As we've seen in some other uh, communities as well, it sounds like the uh, the local hospitals and the healthcare industry are uh, starting to make use of the uh, investments that the city's made over the years. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Lakeland Regional Medical Center, uh, we've partnered with them uh, a number of years ago. Uh, they, just through their expansion, uh, the area that they're at, they have you know the main hospital, but they also have several 
several smaller buildings located, you know, within that neighborhood of the main hospital. And then they also have some that are, you know, maybe maybe a mile mile or two away. Um, we we were able to help them out by providing dark fiber between the buildings to help them with their communications. Their communications, generally, you're looking at uh, imaging and what have you, so it takes a large amount of bandwidth uh, to do that. So the dark fiber that we were able to police them, um, that saved them a lot of money uh, from going, you know, they would otherwise go to the local LEC. It's always good to hear a story in modern-day healthcare where something is uh, becoming less costly. Uh, you know, you don't hear that every day. So um, it's always uh, it's good to know there are some things balancing the higher rates. What is some advice that you might give to other communities uh, who would be looking at um, trying to have some of these benefits by building a, a fiber network? Uh, there's no limitation to fiber. Uh, it's just... Uh, the equipment that's on the end. Uh, fiber's been around for a good number of years now, and it's going to continue to be the provider for that communications. I, a, a big part of the infrastructure of fiber, I think, is if you're going to be be involved with it, uh, it it needs to have the you know good documentation. Um, you need to have good maintenance of it. Uh, because with technology, the speeds and the bandwidths uh, all all increase. Uh, so it's very important to keep the records good. And when you're doing your maintenance, uh, you do the best you can with it. And what uh, what sort know. of records? Uh, records uh, we keep we keep not only a physical record of where the actual cable sheath is, but within that cable sheath, all the fiber strands. We have a database that shows how all the fiber strands are all put together, who they're assigned to, uh, what type of DB loss or attenuation loss that they would have on them. You know, if it runs, whether it's one mile or whether it's 20 miles, you want to be able to, to see that route and to see, uh, to see what the attenuation is throughout that span. And are you continuing to expand your network uh, over time, or do you, are you at a place where you feel pretty good about it and, and you think it'll stay at the same scale it is? Well, now we've, got, uh, we've grown to about 320 miles of cable sheath uh, now throughout the service territory of Lakeland Electric. I would almost say that uh, it grows every day. Uh, every day uh, that we're out there, we're, we're doing maintenance uh, or we're adding to it. Um, I mean, just today, I know that we installed uh, two laterals. Uh, to one was to our uh, wastewater treatment plant. Another one was to our water treatment plant. Uh, both la- both laterals uh, were going to extend to the main gates for that property, so they would have communications out there for their card readers, for their uh, cameras. Uh, and if there's a guard check there, of course, for a telephone and computer access. So yeah, uh, we're we're always expanding. Right. It's it's interesting to me. I was recently speaking with someone from a local county about some of the things that they had fiber optic access to, and you know, some of it's pretty pedestrian. You know, making sure that a building is climate controlled well and being able to monitor that. Uh, it's it's just it's amazing how many different things. Um, that uh, are necessary for a local government to make sure that everything's running smoothly. 
Yeah, you're correct. Uh, it's not just the dial tone or the ISP circuit that you're looking for. Uh, we have uh, many facilities that we're running uh, on controls. Um, even we're looking at a project now just uh, uh, just in some of the lakes uh, just to control the runoff uh, from the lakes. Uh, uh, the uh, I guess you could say the quality of the water They'll have these monitoring stations at the edge of the lakes, and we're now getting ready to install fiber to these areas so that the guys can remotely from their office, they can, they can control uh, and they can see what's going on there. Um, is there anything else that we should know about Lakeland before we end the show? Florida just, uh, uh, just decided to have its uh, 12th state university uh, and that university is going to be called Florida Polytechnic University, and it's going to be located just uh, north of town uh, for Lakeland. So Lakeland is pretty excited to have the uh, science and technology that that's going to be uh, producing. Um, last week I was speaking with Jim Baller, who has represented a lot of these municipal networks over the years, and, and he noted that when um, Lafayette, Louisiana, who now has a, a rather famous fiber network serving everyone. But when they originally built their electric utility and water utility, that led to them getting a University of, Louis, of um, a Louisiana school. Um, the uh, Now it's ULL, University of uh, Louisiana Lafayette. And so it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where if you're going to be building a modern school, you have to build it in a community that uh, is well-governed, that uh, has the all the infrastructure that's necessary to support it. Yes, I know one of the things. Uh, one of the things that the university is looking for is there's uh, what's called a lambda rail. Uh, it's a just a communication link uh, that goes out to hospitals to universities that links up, let's say, the hospital here in Lakeland with the hospital in Georgia, and it provides folks from each hospital or university to have access to. Uh, information uh, throughout their that network. Right, it, it's a clever name uh, because the uh, the wavelengths are commonly called lambdas uh, in the scientific parlance and uh, rail, obviously. Um, and I, yeah. and rail is actually, I mean, just played a very important role to developing Florida as well. So it's a, you know, it's a it's a good relevant name for your situation. Yes, correct. The city really made a, a good move to install and continue continue its growth. Uh, I can't imagine um, what they would spend uh, if they had to contract that out versus doing it themselves. We run into this all the time, which is it's hard to come up with a sense of what the value of the network is because the cost of trying to run, um, uh, trying to lease like gigabit circuits throughout the, the 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 area that you serve. I mean, not just in Lakeland, but the the larger area that the electric utility serves. Um, it's it's incredibly prohibitive, and um, it's only because you run the circuits yourself that you know once you've laid the fiber, it doesn't make a difference if it's 10 megabit or 10 gigabit. Um, once you got the fiber there, yeah, that's true. Uh, just like the substations, uh, you know, that are that are sitting in the neighborhoods to provide to provide power. The same in the city, you know, with all of our departments. I think we've got about 14 uh, core data switches. Uh, and we have they're hooked up uh, by 10 gig links um, throughout, and they're all diverse, diversely routed. Uh, and we have uh, 
two data centers that we have uh, where we disperse from there uh, to all the remote switches. So we've got a pretty good network um, in place. And you're, and you're right, I can't, I can't imagine having to pay for those 10 gig links. And I think it's it's worth noting that even though uh, incumbent large telecommunication companies they they know what they're doing they some of them have been doing it for a hundred years and they're they're certainly very competent um, you know we saw with nine eleven both in Washington D C and in um, in New York that the telecommunications infrastructure was far too centralized there was not enough redundancy. And what we found in talking with you and as well with Martin County and some of the other folks is that if you're in an area where a hurricane can come through of, of who knows what force, uh, you know, you have to be ready and you, you can't just count on, on some distant company having made um, uh, redundant investments to make sure that if the worst thing happens to your particular town that everything will keep working. Yes, that's correct. Verizon answers to shareholders, and, and you all answer to the taxpayers, and, and they want to make sure the police and the fire stations are still uh, connected after a hurricane comes through. So um, let's just hope that doesn't happen. We like to uh, keep things running smoothly. That way we stay out of the spotlight. You know you're doing your job well when you're staying out of the spotlight. I really appreciate you coming on the show to, to share some of these stories. Um, I think a lot of people just aren't aware of of how many things uh, communities like yours have done that are essential to running a modern city. So thanks for telling us about it. Okay, Chris, thank you. I enjoyed the conversation. For more on Lakeland's Dark Fiber Network, visit muninetworks.org and click on the Lakeland tag. On our recent post about Lakeland, you can learn a little more detail about some of the businesses subscribing to Dark Fiber Services. We also have more about the original arrangement with the Polk County School District. You can also follow the Dark Fiber tag, and you can also look at our community networks map. We have a large number of Dark Fiber networks documented on the map. Thanks again for listening to the Broadband Bits podcast. If there are issues related to telecommunications that pique your interest, we welcome your suggestions for future shows. Email us at podcast at communitynetworks.org. You can follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at communitynets. This show was released on August 6, 2013. Thank you to the group Break the Bands for their song Escape, licensed using Creative Commons. Thank you for listening. A